for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You know, being confident and successful hunter goes beyond killing an elk. It's about the hunt. It's about the experiences. For you, but also for those that hunt with you and all the others that share the mountain. There's an honor in being a hunter and understanding your role and unwritten rules of etiquette ensure that we all know how to behave. Respect for others, respect for the land, respect for the animal. But it's hard to be confident in anything if you don't know the rules. Well, y'all, let's just talk about that. Pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Elk Camp. This is the first time with us. Glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, live here from Spring, Texas, and from from New Mexico, our elk hunting coaches, Chav, Joe. Welcome yep. back to Elk Camp with us, brother. Yeah, and I think this is the first time back. we we've this first time we've done one during the day. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not night outside yeah. as everybody yeah. can see behind me in my big pane window. If uh if you guys are new to the show, this time of the show we're gonna go to our Elk Bros shout outs and uh it's just a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts. So it's time for the Elk Bro shout-outs, guys. You started out there, Gilbert. Yeah, topping the list, uh, topping the chart this week is Iowa's oldest city and home for the turkey and dressing sandwich uh, and the Trappistine Nuns Caramel. 
as listed as the top, and it's listed as one of the top 10 4th of July fireworks displays in Dubuque, Iowa. Dubuque, Iowa. Dubuque, yeah. Iowa. The, the Trappistine Nuns Caramels, man, I, you know, they say that they're known nationwide. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I've ever had a Trappistine Nuns Caramel, but I might have to get on the Internet and find out what they taste like. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay, known for its Pascal salary, which was served for holiday dinners at the White House in the early 1900s, once labeling it as the celery capital of the world, Arvada, Colorado. Shout out to them. Shout out to Arvada. I didn't know they could grow anything in Colorado. I thought it stayed too <laughs> damn cold and too many mountains up there. No, sir, man. That that place got water galore, got green going on. You know, that's yeah. uh well, you gotta remember too, you know, that's the that's the uh that's the location where a lot of stuff being grown now. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hydroponically <laughs> yeah, and, and naturally. Yeah, yeah. Central Colorado and the, the Easter part grow a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're not lying. You know, I drove through there from Kansas and it, it just looked like you're in Nebraska or Kansas. It's right, flat exactly. Until you get to that middle western side, you don't get to the Rocky Mountains. You know? And let me tell you, you haven't had fruit bud until you've had it from uh, La Junta and Rocky Ford yeah. in that area. Yeah. And it's uh, cantaloupe, watermelon. Yep. You know, yeah. Huge over there. So next up, located in the beautiful Sacramento Canyon Valley. And these guys once had a missile from White Sands Missile Range. Now understand, there's this is like a population of around 400, their community, had a missile from White Sands Missile Range go haywire and land right in the middle of their little community. Timberon, New Mexico. Shout out to our listeners out there that's been uh, listening to us. Wow. And, you know, there's uh, an old Johnny Cash title song, The City Was Sold. Uh, one of my one of my favorite kid rock songs, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, the home of rhythm and blues, and you know it's st- in steeped in the roots of gospel music. Uh, Jackson, Mississippi, in the house tonight. And a big shout out to the home of the inventor of the four door automobile, and containing twenty nine percent, twenty nine percent, twenty nine percent of the entire state population. And yes, there are actual falls, Sioux Falls. South Dakota. Sioux Falls, man. Dakota. Oh, one other. I'd like to do one other shout out to to Darren. Uh, And Darren is from, I think it's Millsap, Texas is where he's from. And uh, for his awesome review that he left us on iTunes, he's coming to New Mexico this September for the primetime second archery tag. He's got one in his pocket. So he's heading to New Mexico and he's all excited and he's a, he left us a review talking about how much he's enjoyed the show. So, uh, oh, that's awesome, man! Yeah, thank, thank you, Darren, for for coming out there and rating, reviewing us, and and uh, letting us know how we're doing, guys. That's that's something that we've got to have, guys. We've got to have everybody rate, review, give us a five star rating. That'll be big for for us in the show. Thanks a lot, Darren. So the other thing I'd like to tell the listeners out there too, guys, is um, during next week's show, we're going to wrap up and we're going to talk about the final thoughts on our whole confidence series. We we hope all you guys have really enjoyed this series. We've We've tried to um, really just give it to you from uh, straight from us, from our heart, our experiences. Uh, but we're going to be wrapping that up, and we also are going to be answering 
your questions on the show. So if you have any question whatsoever, we want to hear from you. So do us a favor, pull up that email. We know you've been itching with something that, you know, uh, it's funny. I was in the doctor's office the other day and found out he listens to our show. And, That's cool. Yeah. And he's That's like, uh, he started asking me these questions. I'm like, man, you know, just send those things in. So yeah. for you guys that have any questions at all, send them to info. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros, E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Um, also, go to elkbros.com, our website, and check out the other elk content we have on there. We'd love to have you sign up and join our elk camp while you're there. That way you get notified anytime that we put up a new story. I mean, Chav's been writing some great stories, uh, tips that we put on there, all of our videos and podcasts. By joining our elk camp, you get to stay in the know. So we'll get that all done, and we'd love to have you there. Joe, also, it'll be the home for our elk academy coming up. Isn't That's that right. It's and under so construction. That's another thing, reason you want to sign up is you want to get information when that puppy's coming out. So, you know, a lot of work going in behind that. We would love to get it out ASAP, but, man, it is an endeavor. So uh, as soon as it gets, you'll hear about it. Yeah, that's that's coming, fantastic. Coming up. But yes, uh, also, no dumb questions. I mean, there yeah. are no dumb questions. That's you right. Know, if you have anything you want to ask, uh, now's the time to do it, no matter how big, how small. You know, just ask that question. I don't know. I I, I have a tendency to ask some tough <laughs> questions every now and then. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, hey my, I, my, I had an old coach that used to tell me all the time, the only dumb question is a question you didn't ask. And that leads us right into where we're going to go today, Joe. You bet. Um, so, you know, let's get to it. And these guys, <laughs> you know, we, we want to talk about, you know, why there are people out there that don't know or haven't been taught the proper hunting etiquette. Um, I'm going to let you just jump right in, Joe. Well, and so, yeah, let's talk about that. But this whole episode is going to be on helping everybody that uh, needs to know about hunting etiquette. And hunting etiquette is all those unwritten rules that a lot of us have only learned because we grew up in elk hunting families. And so when we talk about people – not elk hunting, but hunting families, you know, you bet. You know, I, I, man, I knew my dad's rules long before I knew man's rules. I mean, he, there were things that we were taught growing up about how you acted, how you were supposed to behave, how you treated other people, treated the land and treated the animals. So, you know, when we talk about first asking the question, why do we think uh, there are people out there that don't know or haven't been taught proper etiquette is there's a lot of people starting into this sport that were not raised in an elk hunting family. You know, their parents, that wasn't their thing. That wasn't their father's thing. It might not have been their uncle's or grandfather's thing. You know, take you, for example, Gilbert. Right, right. Yeah, right. I didn't start out elk hunting uh, my whole life. I've been hunting since I was, since I could tote around a, a tote sack from my grandfather and put his put his squirrels in it and his, you know, everything else uh, from dove to quail to deer. But I started elk hunting real late. Now, you know, it's a shame because I, I fell in love with it, but I started elk hunting at age 40 and in September, in September this year, I'll turn 50. So it's been 10 years. Uh, but just like me, I needed to, you know, hunting with guys like you, y'all helped us with that hunting etiquette. So Joe, what, what advice do you have for hunters if you're hunting public land? Well, 
So first of all, people hunting public land, you gotta remember it's public property. It's public property, y'all. And remember what your mom taught you when you was a kid. You got to share. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 important. I mean, you none of us it belongs to all of us, belongs to none of us, you know. And you're gonna come across people out there hunting public land. You know, the areas that all of us hunt in, you know, there's a lot of people that utilize that area and it's just not hunters. You got cowboys out there, you got cattle ranchers out there. Um, you might have, you know, hikers and stuff out there. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are out there and, and you can't start acting like you own the place. And the other thing is too, is that if you are somebody that understands hunting etiquette, you're going to come across people that don't, you know, right. not everyone knows all these unwritten rules. That's the whole purpose yeah. of what we're doing right now. So don't be a jerk. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. you come across people out there, man, that's a learning moment. That's a teaching moment. Uh, that's an opportunity to meet people, to make some friends. Uh, gosh, I think some of the help your brothers, are, help your brothers out. They have so, problems, whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, th those people are out there for the exact same reason you're out there, man. They've been dreaming of these days. They've been listening to mm -hmm. the blue collar cutting podcast. They've been, yeah. you know, they, they're, uh, they're prepping. They want to be doing just what you are. So don't be a jerk, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's kind of the ongoing theme on there. You know, your reaction your Joe's attitude rule number one don't be a jerk don't be a jerk you know uh look this sport has got enough people outside there that are attacking it we don't need to attack each other from the inside so you know your reaction your attitude when you come across somebody on public property that and public land that can be a make or break on that first meeting man you know so you know, talk to them, cooperate with people, because I, I tell you, friends. Right. You know, I can recall uh, running into a, a shepherd up at, uh, I think it was Tres Piedras. Or, right, right. All the, they were running yeah, the sheep Yeah, he was running there. the sheep, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were friendly. He was friendly, and, you know, he gave us some tips. Yeah. You know, some positive tips, and uh, that helped us out in that hunt. No, exactly, man. It's so much easier better for you to make a friend than it is to make an enemy out there and a lot I've of the never I've, you know we've we've encountered a lot of people uh in the woods both supposed to be there and not supposed to be there right and we never have treated them treated them rudely you know and 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 i've never <clears> been treated rudely well on private land, I did one time, but at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, we fixed all that. Uh, when we're all hunting public land, uh, everybody's got a right to be there. So sure. uh, everybody I've talked to, man, been helpful and, uh, you know, want to know, you know, what, what the elk are doing. And everybody's been willing to share information. So And, you know, people are like when, when they're out there in the woods, it, they see somebody and they're like, oh, all the animals are gone, mm -mm. you know. You know, I have never let that bother me. So all three of us know, and I think we've talked about, there's been times when we've had hunters driving, I mean, like NASCAR, oh, 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 oh. yeah, coming 
up a trail that we were going down to where they just came from. And, you know, they're probably going, I don't know where those guys are going. There ain't no elk down there. We've all been down there. And we killed two elk in one morning. Exactly. In, in a place they came from. So just because you see somebody in an area does not mean that there's no animals there. A half mile can make a world of difference out in the elk woods. You know, don't freak out, you know, and don't just think there's nothing there because you see somebody. Yeah, there's been many a times that uh, Joe and I have been mm-hmm. on an elk herd and uh, the road not, not too far away from us and a four-wheeler goes by, you know, the elk <laughs> just kind of look up and exactly. put their heads back down. So, you know. Yeah. That morning I killed my big bull. We had people all around us, all over us. Um, it was crazy. Chad and I must have counted 10 bikes that went by us that morning. And, and I mean, really close to us too. And we're, we're working a herd and working, calling cows and bulls both. And they're just putting right on by. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening, but the elk are pretty oblivious to it when they're in those high traffic areas on Joe. Yeah, no, they, they're, they're going to do what they want to do. And, you know, it, they they're used to hearing those man-made noises now it starts getting in their danger zone that's a little bit different but you know we talked about that before it's kind of like smell it's like their scent they smell something way far off they don't freak out they smell something within 100 yards yeah and they're they're out of there same thing kind of happens with the noise and you know i've actually seen elk wait for a vehicle to go by before they cross a road i've right. i've seen them bedded and and watch people drive by on a four-wheeler you know i've I've been there seeing that so you know don't go freaking out because you bump into other people in fact what should you do and there's a big question man what should you do when you come across a hunter in the woods and i'm going to give just a few guidelines and then we can kind of talk about our own experience on that so you see somebody else in the woods as soon as you see that person the first thing you need to do is stay quiet in case there's an animal close by. If they're on one and they're seeing something that you're not, make sure that you're quiet. Check their body language. Are they in a setup? Do they have an arrow on? Do they have a rifle up? Check on, uh, are they calling in a particular direction? If they're looking in your direction, put that hand up and just a little wave to make sure that they know that you're there. And then you can kind of um, get you know, read, read their, their body language and yeah. the responses from them. Yeah. Yep. You know, if, if they wave back to you, then you've got two choices. You can either approach that person quietly or you can turn and leave, you know, to hunt in another area. Both of those are considered fine and dandy. I'm the type of person, I'm a people person. I'd rather talk to people in the woods oh, yeah. anytime, mm-hmm. you know, that way, they know I'm there. We've already broke that barrier. A lot of times, you know, by talking to them, you pick up tips, you kind of cooperate with each other and, you know, where you're headed, where I'm going to be, find out how long they're going to be there. So there's a lot of material, a lot of reconnaissance that you can get from somebody. You like, bet. You Man, know, four eyes are better than two. Mm-hmm. Now, if that person waves you off, if they start going, you know, hey, you know, then you back off, back out as quietly as possible. That means that they're on something, they got something going on, and you don't want to ruin it for them, okay? Now, if you do decide to approach another <clears throat> hunter, 
please make sure your weapon is shouldered if it's a rifle it's up on the back it's you know on your strap shouldered or if you've got a bow you don't have an arrow knock because never never ever aim a rifle at someone intentionally or unintentionally you know safety muzzle control make that person comfortable you know when you're going to do that introduce yourself and the best way to do that you know do you know what handshake was invented do you know where that comes from the the handshake well you got to think about all the times people you know way back in time when they came across another person it's kind of like you out in the woods you don't know if that person's somebody that upset with you or happy with you and back in the day they didn't know if that person was wanting to kill them the shaking the hand was actually a way of showing that your hand was empty mm-hmm. that uh that you had no weapon and and you know when you shake somebody's hand now you guys are embraced and you're connected now so right. you know that puts you in a vulnerable position and it's the same thing when you shake somebody's hand out there it kind of lowers the guard so Shake hands with them. Make the interaction, guys, positive because, again, you act like a jerk. Yeah. Jerk will bite you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the elk gods won't be kind. You know, I believe in karma, man, and things kind of come back around. So if you want to be a turd, things happen, man. You right. can end up getting flushed. That so stuff all runs downhill. Yep. It doesn't work out. So strike up a conversation with them. Guys, you're both doing the same thing. You got plenty to talk about. Uh, it's not like it, that's the great thing. When we're out in the woods, there there really are no strangers because we're all doing the same thing. We all have the same goal. We might be doing it a few different ways, but we all have that same goal. And uh, if they look hungry and thirsty, yeah, offer them something. Offer them something. That's it. You know, we made. Uh, I made one of the best friends that I've known in my life because I came across him. Uh, it was on an antelope hunt, actually. <laughs> and, mm. and I had a decoy set out that I made myself. And uh, nothing had come into my decoy. And so I was hiking back to camp after, you know, the, they've been part of the day. And, and I come across this guy underneath the little juniper bush, and he's all, all sweaty, beat up, and scratched up. And <laughs> He didn't look in good condition, and I offered him some water. He's like, man, I'd love to have some water. And right. I, I ended up sharing my lunch with him. And come to find out, I started talking, telling him about my decoy. And he says, yeah, I know about that decoy, man. He says, I've been stalking it for the last two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he ended up being one of our best yeah. friends and hunted with us for years. And, uh, you know, so, you know. Make it a positive thing. What about hunters that ask you if you've seen anything, Joe? What's your policy on that? I lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I lie. you know, <laughs> you know. I, in, in all honesty, um, I, let me tell you the two ways that I feel about that. I don't know how about you guys feel about it, um, but I, I think people need to kind of earn their keep a little bit, and you know when I'm having a conversation with somebody, just that conversation alone, and this is why I'm telling people out there to talk to people, just that conversation alone may alter how I'm feeling and inspire me 
to say, hey, you know, this is somebody that's doing it right. They're struggling. They're having a hard time. They need a break. They need a tip, and, and I'll help them out. If if I'm with somebody that, you know, comes across a whole different way, well, yeah, I've heard something, but I'm not real descriptive. You know? Right, right. And most of the time, I get a chance to ask them first, and they say, well, I haven't heard nothing. I was like, ah, oh, it's a tough day. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, those guys will throw up all over you if you give them the opportunity, you know. Sure. Um, so they want to they want to talk about, you know, and then they ask you, you know, what you've got going on, what you see. Uh, I, I've always been of the opinion that I don't want to lie to anybody. So right. if I don't want to tell you, I just say, well, I'd rather not talk about that right now. <laughs> you just straight up direct. Huh? Yeah, pretty straight up direct with people. You know, I used to fish for a living and uh, guys would ask me all the time, where'd you catch those fish? Besides me saying we're well, right here in the mouth, uh, <laughs> I would say, well, guys, you know, when the tournament's over with, I'd be glad to let, share with you, you know, what, what I was doing and how I was doing with it. But I don't want to lie to you, so I'm just not going to say anything right now. Right. So, and if I, you know, there's a lot of guys that I would tell what I was doing and where I was doing that because it really didn't matter. They had to make it happen anyway. And I kind of feel that way sometimes in the woods, especially when we're elk hunting. Elk hunting's not something that's easy. Uh, no. to do so even though guys are in that area it doesn't really mean that they're going to be as successful as you can because they don't have the confidence or the skill level that you have either so that's kind of how I feel about that Joe it can work another way too in that sometimes when you don't share with people they can end up stumbling through a place you plan on being that evening so you sometimes you know it's good to say yeah you know I have a bull bugling over here at this area and I plan on being there in the evening. And, That's right. you know, by doing that, you're being honest. You you know, he knows that you're going to be there already. And so they, that gives them a chance to decide. And you can even tell them, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to probably be there this evening. If, I, if it doesn't pan out, I probably go someplace else tomorrow. So now they know there's an elk in the area. You're kind of giving them the, the A-OK to go in there after you get done. And so – it might even come back the other way from them. So I, I like to have a conversation with the hunter that I'm out there with. And um, I think all that, you know, keeps you from having a conflict later because sure. obviously you're going to be around those same guys the whole trip. Right. Don't know how many days they're going to be out there. But that's another good subject to say, Hey, Hey guys, how long are y'all going to be here? You know, so we, we know where you're be in this area or, or what? I mean, it's helped yeah, us out tremendously before yeah exactly because i mean it can even be that they go back and tell their guys you know it's like oh this i met this one dude man what a jerk you know he's talking about being this area i could care less we're going in there no matter what you know right right right. whereas if you know you're good to him it's like no he's a pretty good guy and there's a guy going to be over there so let's let's kind of stay wide and find some well by the way they called me in three times (laughs) 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 so we might want to stay out of there they're pretty good (laughs) Uh, that's happened both ways hasn't it joe yeah yeah you know uh and absolutely nothing wrong with that, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you We're go to chase to get it done. Yeah, you go chasing a bugle, and you find that there's another hunter in the area. Now they know there's another hunter in the area yeah. as well, and um, I, I think that that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. So, and a lot of times we bump into the same same people, same people in the in the same area. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I volunteer 
information about other spots that I've been at before, but we're not hunting this year. So knowing that we'll bump into them again and we'll get the report, see if they're actually there. So, yeah. you yeah. know, you can do that too. Yeah, they actually, they basically help you scout sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you can trade information. And, and you know, it seems like hunting some of the same areas year after year, uh, people get to know each other year after year. And they kind of know the areas you go, how you hunt, where you're at, and and uh, the, everybody helps everybody out in, in that way. So I always think it's so much better to be cooperative than it is to be all disgruntled. Sorry, bud. And my grandpa used my grandpa used to say you catch a whole lot more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. That's exactly and right. I, I believe that. You know, you touched on a really good point, Joe, about being safe with your weapon. I want to share a little story and I won't go into grave detail, but I had a hunter approach me one time and he had a sidearm. Right. And uh, he covered that sidearm and uh, had his hand on it the whole Uh time where he was walking towards me. And uh, that really, I have a a background in, in law enforcement and in, uh, in red flag, red flag, a big red flag when somebody's (laughs) got their hand on their weapon. Right. So I just, I would uh, urge guys that if you do have a sidearm, I uh, don't know how many states allow that, but if you do have a sidearm, uh, that you would not cover that weapon. So you, you guys listen out there, you know, never. That, that's that's not where where you want it. That you're not going to go with that. Don't that, do that. Yeah, that, don't that, do that, that could escalate something really, really fast and bad. So yeah, and if I wouldn't uh, have had and, the training that I had, it would have. Yeah, you know, yeah, it could have. For sure. So just the opposite of that, you know. When we're out there after the hunt and it's midday, um, if you are heading back, you know, you guys have been with us when we're in a four-wheeler or something like that, and we come across other people coming on a trail, I always stop to say hello. You don't have to, but again, it goes a long way, and it's just got to be, hey, how are you? You know, I'm so-and-so, shake hands, and, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be long and drawn out if it. Mm. If it gets to a discussion that mm-hmm. that you enjoy, and again, I've met guys from all the way from Pennsylvania to Kentucky right. to, I mean, wow, they traveled all this way. You know, I mean, we travel a long way too, but these guys come from different states from all over the country. So, sure. Um, and yeah, the world gets real small out there. You find out, oh, you bump into somebody you've never met before, and they know somebody you know. Yeah, you know? that's wild. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, what, I, what I'd like for us to do now, because I think we talked really good on encountering people on state land. So I think what we want to do is now is basically talk about just how those unwritten rules are the same way our dad would teach us, you know, and we'll kind of break them down. And, and it, they break down easy in that it's respect others, respect the land respect the animal. And one more I want to add in there is know the bro code. Okay. (laughs) So respect in others. What's some ways guys that some of those etiquette things uh, to ensure that we respect other people? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, we didn't quite touch on it, but uh, sometimes people get up late and they'll, uh, you know, they'll be there, uh, a half hour to an hour later and you may be set up and they're just figuring on going from point A to point B and, and not really look around. Cause I know Gilbert and I were set up one time. <laughs> I'm laughing cause I remember it perfectly. Yeah. We were set up and we had the, the bull 
bugling. He was coming. And then a four-wheeler comes right by. Right through the middle. Right through the middle of the whole thing. Yeah. And never noticed us waving at him and and probably didn't hear the bull bugling. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, man, don't drive through areas prime time. You know, if you want to sleep in, God bless, man, sleep in. But please don't go out there and blow it for others just because you decided to sleep in. You know, yeah. there, there's people been out in the woods since two hours before daylight getting a position. Would you suggest just walk out of camp, Joe? Yeah, heck yeah. If you're going to sleep in late? If you're going to sleep in late, walk out of camp, yeah. you know. Or if you're if you're truck hunting, you yeah. know, uh, you can generally drive on a road to a different area. That's different. But if you're out there uh, camping and you're in areas where you're either going to, you know, uh, drive out on a four-wheeler on a UTV, those areas, man, those animals could be anyway, anywhere. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. we, we tell a story. I think you wrote a story. It's on elkbros.com. You know, shoot, we got out of our truck. We hiked not 300 yards, <laughs> and it starts to rain. So we start going back, and I don't know why. I gave a cow call. Doggone bull comes out 50 yards from our truck, you yep. know, crossing the road. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and guys, when we say road, you got to understand it's not a paved thing. It's not <laughs> even a dirt road. It's, it's a trail. Yeah. It's a UTV trail. Yeah, yeah basically. It's a, yeah, it's a dried up riverbed. Yeah. That's it. I mean, you just never know where they're going to be. Those animals can be anywhere. So whatever you do, guys, don't spoil someone else's hunt. That's you it. know, uh, if you and if you're out there, you know, and you see someone stopping ahead of you to hunt an area, you know, and you see them getting out to hunt that area, move along, go to someplace else. Uh, another important thing is when you are going out or when you're camping or anytime during those prime hunting hours, you don't have to worry as much midday because midday those animals are up in the trees or up high up there. So you can travel some of those roads and stuff better. You don't have to worry about that. And hunters hunting during the midday are up there in the trees. It ain't going to affect them. So as little disturbance as possible, please minimize your noise and your visual presence. And I'm talking camp. I'm talking about where you park. And I'm talking about when you're hunting. I've, I've been out there and had an animal coming in. And all of a sudden, I hear two guys talking and laughing coming down a trail and just boogered the animal out of there because he heard them. So when it comes to hunting, y'all, no matter what your camp, when you park, when you're hunting, silence is gold. Sneak into the woods, sneak out. Be a hunter. Be stealthy. You know, uh, if you're unseen, that's the best way for it all to work out. And, and I mean, like camp. Another, you know, nothing. Don't stick your camp right in the middle of a place where people are hunting uh, in, in a prime area. And, you know, don't be all noisy with your camp and definitely do not trash your camp. And we're going to talk about that with respect in the land. But think about that. Oh, where would you consider places not to put your camp? Right in the middle of a meadow, you know. Now, if it's a designated area, like mm-hmm. what some of these places are doing. Uh, yeah, where you have no choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, and it's, if it's right off of a, a well-traveled road, if it's a park off a well-traveled road, well, that, that's another thing. But, you know, if you're 
hiking in or doing something like that, and you go and you set up a camp right in the middle of a park that's a feed area, bedding area, stuff like that, you know. It's, or anywhere near a water hole. <laughs> yeah, well, and by law, you're not supposed to be doing that. So, you know, you're supposed to have your vehicle only so – you can only hunt so close. Camping's a little different, but – you know, you got weapons in there, so it could always be questionable to the law. So, you know, just think about that. That people, especially water holes, if people are using them to hunt on top of. So, um, oh, be safe with your weapon. And we talked about that before. You know, respect others by being safe with your weapon. And what I mean by that is we talked about approaching and stuff. What I'm talking about is you don't shoot at an animal on a skyline. You always know what's behind an animal. You check the background. You make sure that you have that. You know, it's really, really super critical with a rifle. But even with a bow, man, because I've seen arrows fly by people. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I've seen arrows kill more than one animal. Yes, sir. And we've even had... Uh, where somebody didn't pay attention to a skyline, an arrow went over shooting at an animal and hit somebody's horse. So, right. you know, I mean, God, I, that, you just never want something like that to happen because that really doesn't look good on us, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about respecting the land. Any words of advice for, from you guys? Well, well I, just you know, think, I just think you got to know where you are, you know. Uh, make sure you're not on somebody else's land. I think yeah. those are two really good things. You can always make sure you know where you're at. Yeah, you know, and that's easier now. You, if you have Onyx on your cell phone, you should know where you're at. No doubt. You don't want to be doing something on somebody else's property and, and cause problems like that. Yeah, respect the boundary. Yeah, respect the uh, boundary. Yeah, this past uh, spring, you know, we went up to uh, hunt for sheds, and we walked right by our camp. But you couldn't tell there was a camp there because we picked everything up. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, don't leave anything behind, you know, no footprints. Yeah, that was awesome when we pulled up there to camp again. You couldn't even tell the camp had been there. Right. Right. And, I mean, that's our goal. Uh, you don't want to leave any trash. And, you know, uh, we come across camps sometimes that they've got beer cans and metal and everything like that. They've still got the rock campfire. I, I really don't mind the rock campfire. Uh, there's something about that to me that is almost historical, but – but to go and find beer cans in it mm, and empty mm, cans yeah. and stuff like that, that's just not cool. You know, I think another good thing is, you know, when you come to a gate, leave it like you found it. If it was closed, close it back. Don't leave it open. So, and that's a good point, Gilbert, because there's a lot of guys that would come to an open gate and they would be like, if you're trying to be good to the landowner, you're like, well, I better close this gate. But, the problem is, is sometimes them landowners leave those gates open, and right. they want that gate open so that their animals can move from one side to the other. So that's why we say, you know, leave it how you find it. You know, if you're the first person and you have that gate closed, <clears throat> make sure you close it back because after you, if you open it, ain't nobody else going to close it. Yeah. So make sure that you do that and always, always take out more trash than you bring in. Well, and I think another good thing, Joe, is to know your your state local rules, right? Uh, know your boundaries. Uh, don't don't shoot at animals that are out of your boundaries. Right. Uh, you don't want some problem going on. I mean, you know, there'll be another day that you can chase that animal. 
And I've had this happen to me many, many times where I could have harvested or shot a bull that wasn't on the property that we needed to be hunting on. Well, and you bring up a good point because uh, all of us have been uh, on the boundary of private property and, and there's animals screaming on the other side on private property. Well, there's nothing wrong with pulling them over. That's right. You want to call and bring them over again, you know, the, those animals are free ranging. And so there's no problem with trying to pull them over. But what happens if you shoot an animal on your side of the fence and they jump to the other side of the fence? Cause you and me have been in that case, Gilbert. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And, uh, and, and that can easily happen because you have an animal that you can shoot that animal 400 yards away from a fence and they can end up. Or even with the bow. With the bow, yeah. They take off and end up jumping the fence, you know, to get to another area. Had that happen to us. Sure. So the proper etiquette in that is to contact the landowner. You know, contact that landowner. Let them know that you shot an uh, an animal on your side. It crossed their fence, and you'd like permission to go ahead and track that animal. If they want to be there when you track it, the more the merrier. Now you got some help. So, right. uh, and, you know, show them where the animal crossed if there's any, you know, any worries about that. But, you know, there's, it, you can shoot an animal on your side of the fence. If they jump off the other side of the fence, just let those landowners know. That's the proper etiquette. Right. Joe, okay. uh, do you know the statute in New Mexico if there is a, if there is a, a landowner that's notified and he's, he's decided to not allow you on his his land you need to contact the game warden or would you just that's not a fr- well that's the first thing i would do but you got to remember this too is that you know i would hate to be in a situation where that animal ends up spoiling there so the first thing i would do is i would notify game and fish i'd get some place where i could or your local game warden i'd notify them that you have an animal down you've contacted the landowner the landowner does not has not accepted you going into their land, but your animal has crossed over to their fence and you want to follow that animal and recover it and then get directions from that official. Okay. And uh, that's the best way to cover that. And I honestly, I've never come across that. I haven't either. I I, I, met everybody I've talked to been, as a matter of fact, they've helped. You know, they're like, sure. hey, we'll, we'll come help you. You know, uh, yeah. you can show me where that animal was hit on your side, and you proved to me that, you know, that it was. And then they've asked the question, did you call them off of us? Sure. Well, you tell them the truth. Hell, yeah, we did. Yeah. You know, or, or, <laughs> yeah. or if you didn't, you didn't. Just consider the fact that if you were a landowner, and I think what happened with us, man, that landowner was kind of proud. said, man, that's pretty good. You guys able to, to do that. But just consider yourself and think about, in any of this, guys, put yourself in the other person's pair of boots, you right. know. Uh, man, if I was a landowner and somebody called me and said, you know, this, sir, and, and, and with respect and was respectful to me and my property, man, I, now I'd do every, anything and everything for that person because I'd rather much have that than somebody not. Oh, I agree. And, and, you know, you might actually make some friends there. One of the things that you – you alluded to earlier in the podcast, Joe, was life's 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we deal with it. That's exactly right. I think you, you know, you got to leave that up to that, but uh, that's good, good content for our, 
for our, uh, our Elton brothers out there to know that if, hey, if we knock a bull down or a cow uh, or any animal, deer, whatever you're hunting, and it crosses the boundary line, we need to make sure that we allow uh, ample time for us to, to alert the landowner and, sure. or, and or fish and game officials. In all these situations, if you try dealing things in the right way, and things don't always go your way, life isn't always fair, but, you know, sometimes it's up to us to take the, a little bit of higher road, you know. Yeah. And, again, I truly believe in karma. Yeah. Things come back around, man. Yeah. So, um, so we talked about now we've covered respecting others. We've covered respecting the land. And the third one I'll talk about is respecting the animal, right? And Yeah, it's a huge deal for us. I sure. think that's it, like we've said, we, we owe it to that animal to, to respect it. And uh, if we're out there going to harvest one of God's creatures, and we owe it to that animal. Sure. That's exactly right. And I still remember as a kid, and it's something kind of that I live by, is that, you know, my dad always said, you know, if you're not going to eat it, don't kill it. Absolutely. My you grandpa, know? he'd whoop your tail end if you shot something and didn't kill it. I mean, sure. didn't eat it. Yeah. You know, if you harvested something, it didn't matter if it was a bird, squirrel, you know. Right. He didn't get too too bad on varmints. I mean, he didn't like right. killed all his, <laughs> yeah. his, you know, his livestock and stuff. But at the end, it's snakes. He didn't like snakes. But <laughs> <laughs> Snakes have a bad rap, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ones down here do because a lot of them can hurt you. Hurt you really. Right. Ask yeah. Dad, he can tell you about the rattlesnake. Yeah, no, and and I, you know, I I know a lot of people, especially in our area here, they're like getting overrun with prairie dogs, and they have problems. You know, people have problems with coyotes and different things, and, and right. different farmers. <clears throat> and I know there's control that has to happen, and uh, so that is what it is. But uh, man, if you're <clears throat> going to go out, myself, I had a a good friend of mine has invited me to go duck hunting with him, and he has a great place to duck hunt, and I'm just kind of like, you know. I just don't like the way they taste. So <laughs> you gotta have a good coon ass cooking for you, Joe. You, you'll uh, you'll quit eating the way they taste. I promise. You. Get a well, good coon ass, put them in a pot and some gravy. I promise you, you gonna like. You, you know, dude. I mean, if I'm having to add, you know, all you know, I add this, I add that, I put this in, I put that mm-hmm. in, I take this and I take that, and then I have to reach in and throw the duck away and eat what. All that other yeah, <laughs> That's only if you eat coots, right? Black ducks. That's that's only if you Black eat ducks, some good yeah. ducks. Have had a load of rice in them and stuff like that. It's you know, uh, and that's what he told table. me. He's like, you ain't making it right, you know. Right. So, yeah, He's right. I, and I get that, you know. Uh, but and also, I, and I love to wing shoot, and right. so if I have other people that I talked to before that like duck or like geese, you know, then I get to share that wealth with them. So that, that's another option for something like that. You know, one of the things we tried one time was making jerky, uh, out of, uh, goose breast and Uh and duck as well. And it was fantastic. We marinated it and, and then, uh, put it in a dehydrator and it was fantastic jerky. Right. Yep. So, So Chad, what are one of the things that, you think uh, that you do to help respect the animal after you've harvested? Well, I think uh, probably the most important thing uh, in respecting the owl is to practice, practice your shooting. You want to make a good, clean kill and, uh, you know, take an ethical shot. 
you know, I know I've seen you and Joe shoot and, you know, your range is probably double of mine, but, uh, you know, take the shot that you can make. Yeah. Shoot, shoot within yeah. your abilities, right? Yeah. Know your limitations. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And know your weapon, you know, be exactly. proficient and familiar with that weapon. Boy, and I tell you, I, I've been with a lot of guys and I've heard a lot of stories and stuff. I think you really got to read that animal's body language too when you're dealing with archery hunting. Because sure. if he's looking at you or he's really on full alert and it's a, you know, he's past 30 yards, 35 yards, he's going to move, you know, right. going to feel that, that release of that arrow. And, you know, they pivot. And when they pivot, their whole body just moves. Um, if they're looking at you, I mean, you just really got to understand that the the creature and do your do your homework and understand that if they're on full alert, man, probably not a time you want to release that arrow. Oh, you know, you don't have to shoot at that moment. Sometimes some patience, uh, you know, we get worked up and we think they're going to walk off. Well, sometimes if they walk off, it's better than, than them going off with a, a wound in them. So, right. uh, and a lot of times, man, if we're just patient, we get a better shot. You know, than we thought we were going to get, which yeah. brings me to the point, you know, if you do wound an animal, if you shoot it, track it, you know, you owe it to that animal that you're going to do your best, your due diligence to track that animal. And I know that there's some people that practice, you know, uh, blood and done. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that each person needs to come to on, on their own accord. But if you don't know what blood and done is, what that is, is that, you know, if you hit an animal, that's your animal. That's the animal that you're going to hunt. You're going to track it and you're going to hunt that animal. Uh, and, and that's the animal gets your tag. If it doesn't, then, then you're done. Now, there's, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just telling you what it is. And I know that there's like uh, places that I guide that has a one and done policy on it. And it sure makes people really think about that shot and making a better shot. I I think 95% or maybe 99% of all private ranches now have all gone to blood and done, you know, uh, or the guide's got to really understand what a superficial wound is. And it's his call to, to make with the outfitter on whether he felt like it, you know, that, you know, just graze the brisket or whatever it may be. But there are tons of ranches I know when you draw blood. It's it, it, That's your animal, and that's what you're going to do. You're going to hunt that animal. Yeah, don't don't say, uh, you know, and assume that that hit was one where that animal is going to survive. Yeah. Because most of the time, if that, if that animal is hit anywhere in any kind of vital area of any kind, they're eventually going to go down. And and I have lost an animal, and I know how okay. that goes. And uh, and it happens, and it's going to happen. I don't care who you are. Uh, it's going to happen because that's just the nature of things. We don't always get to control things perfectly for our situation, so many variables. But, buddy, if, if you wound that thing, you make sure that you give that chase and that you give it its due diligence and its respect. And if you kill that animal, take care of your kill immediately as soon as possible. And I know there's situations that come up, but you you don't want to kill an animal and have that animal spoil on the mountain. So, 
you know, avoid wasting that. That's to me, that's just, it's just a terrible thing. And September, it can get pretty warm. Mm -hmm. It can, you know, and I think one of the good things is when you're quartering, find you a good shade and drag your quarters up under the shade, try to carry some cheesecloth, keep the dirt out of the meat and then find you some shade and drag those quarters in until you can get him packed out of there. I mean, if it's 90 degrees, it's, it's hot, man. And meat can spoil quickly. You know, yeah, the the uh, sooner you can get that away from the body, get the skin off, and get it hung, you, you can be in good shape. Yeah. Uh, Joe, those, another another thing I'd like to add to that is if you know that you probably hit an animal back, okay, or it's not really for me. The Venezuelan mafia boys have hunted with me long enough to know that there's the law. They call it the law of Beto, Beto. and uh, it's a two hour rule. And uh, I follow this just about every place I bow hunt, even if I've seen the animal go down or stumble and fall, I'm probably not going to go look for that animal for an hour and a half to two hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want the animal to expire and me not get up and bumping. But especially if I think that the shot was marginal, Uh, you get a shot back towards the liver or paunch area. You know, that's a four hour deal, five hour deal, Uh, eight hour deal. Yeah. Eight hour deal. Yeah. Those elk are going to die that are right. hit in the liver or in the paunch. Right. Uh, if it's hitting the liver, it's about a four to six hour deal, eight hour deal. These are big animals. They're not like right. deer, but they're going to get a, 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 a uh, it's, I'm trying to think of the scientific word. It's called paranitis and it's mm-hmm. a, it, right. it's an actual blood disease that actually right. it's gets septic and they get an infection <clears throat> and they get a high fever. So they're going to try to find water. And uh, and they're going to pass away. It's uh, you just got to give them time. And but if the more you push an elk, the harder he's going to get out of an area. And the harder he gets out of an area, he can cover three or four miles before you can you know have sure. a day. And, and if you just stay off of them, they're going to lay down. They are. You know? They are. You know, the, my first bull that's right here, uh, I shot him a little back. Well, I, sh- I got one good lung and then got the liver on the outside, on the going way out. And, you know, we had to leave him overnight. But he laid down and never moved from that position. No, that's right. And we found him right in that position. And when we found him, he'd probably only been dead for an hour. Yeah. You know, he was so <laughs> he was still He was still warm underneath right. him. Yeah, well, you're right. So, so that's a good point. The information that you just gave is, is really huge. You know, if you have a double lung shot and you know you have a double lung shot, that's a half hour minimum. Minimum. Right. Okay. Right. Now, you end up heart shooting an animal. A lot of times you don't know if you've heart shot that animal right. unless you see it heal up in front of you. That's a totally different deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you you hit that animal in the liver, so you hit that animal a little bit ba- back, and you see that blood, and it's that that Yo. liver color blood mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, then you're four hours on that thing. You know, mm-hmm. just leave it, man. Uh, don't booger it. And if you gut shoot an animal, you want to go six to eight hours to stay off that animal. Yep. I mean, just back off it now. There are things that can change that, and and that can be, you know, if you weather. have weather coming in, you know, you got to make some decisions on that, and mm-hmm. you know, it's going to kill your tracking or something like that. Sometimes you just got to push a situation, but if you have that choice and you have the option not to, uh, because you have good weather and good conditions, don't. Yeah, you guys, know? I I'm, I can't say it enough. Chad and I made a really good stalk and a called a bull in last year. 
and I, I knew I made a, a, a decent shot, but it was in lower light. So I couldn't really pinpoint. I knew it hitting mid body uh, and a little forward towards the crease and just a little high center. But, uh, and I heard the animal crash and gurgling and everything else. And I told Chav, I said, we're backing out of here, man. We're not going to get that. We're not going to get that animal up. We were very excited, right? right? When you have one go down in front of you, it's pretty exciting. But we uh, we backed out of there and came back to camp, got Joe and everybody else, and hoped we'd go back for the for the uh, celebration. So yeah, so we, we and the, we did. We, we got went, the group together, man. So right. you know, which great segue into the bro code. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah true. <laughs> for real, yeah, great segue into the bro yeah. code. So, I couldn't have made it without my bros that night. I promise. Oh, man. I tell you what, we had uh, I the two-mile hike. We probably hiked him. It was a mile to walk to him and a mile to I walk back. him out, right? So yeah. back and forth, we put some miles, and it was a good thing that there were four or five of us there. So, and yeah. it wasn't flat either, I can tell you that. <laughs> right. So got four rules to the bro code, man. You don't, take, you don't take or give away a buddy spots. Okay. <laughs> Don't take or give away a buddy spots. Do not betray your buddy's kindness, man. Amen, brother. You know? I mean, a person nice enough to take you under their wing, take you to a, one of their favorite spots and show you that, give you some success. That does not mean you now own that spot to where you can use it yourself without permission from that person. And look, I know what's I, I know what's public land. I, I I totally get that, but right. we're talking about the bro code here, man. Right. And uh, that person has entrusted and given a gift to you. Now, if you talk to that person, say, would it be all right? Or can I, and ask permission. And they're like, heck yeah, go get it. I ain't going to be in there. You know, that's a different thing. And, and, and then to give it away to other people to tell them about it, you know, that totally not cool. Right. No there. way. No. No, no, way, no, no. I, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, well, you know, I fished a long time. And if I took guys to some places that were shown to me that was sacred ground, I mean, I just didn't do that, you know. Right. Uh, and I did not. And I would have that conversation. Boys, this is sacred ground. I do not expect to find you back in here with you or anybody else. Right. So, I mean, I have that conversation. So it is a, no doubt a bro code, you know. Right. Uh, or you have that conversation. Hey, man, I'm not going to be there you're more than welcome to go in sure. there, but please yeah. don't show anybody else that spot yep. or have that conversation. It's all about communication, you know, and, yep. uh, I, I, 100%, uh, support the bro code. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other, the other three to that are you share the prep, mm -hmm. share the work and share the rewards, man. Yep. You know, and I don't think, you know, all of us always work together about who's bringing what and trying to help out. And not everybody has the same amount as everybody else. And that doesn't mean you got to equalize, man. It just means, no. you know, help out. Effort, effort, man. Everybody can see that your attitude and your effort. And, uh, I, you know, all you guys helped me out that night. We didn't get back till like 2 in the morning. I got up at 4.30 and started cooking breakfast. For 5 o'clock, started cooking breakfast for everybody because I felt so – uh, I felt so anointed with the love of my bro codes 
guys out there that helped me, you know, get my elk back in camp. And then we butchered him. And they, they took a, that took a full day, uh, you know, a full half day out of some guys hunting time. Well, and, know. but many hands make light work, man. Right. Oh man, absolutely. You know, you know, I think another thing, Joe, when, when we talk about ways that we can, that we can get help is also to help improve our image, you know, and ed- so we can educate people so they don't freak out when they see our pictures and stuff like that. Right. You know? Make right. sure we honor the animal in our pictures and we're not, you know, yeah. taking bloody, gory photos. And, and, you know, this is kind of controversial because, the, you know, there's there's guys, and, and I totally get I totally understand it, that, that say, you know what, we did kill that animal. It mm-hmm. did bleed. You need to understand that death happens and that animal bleeds and stuff like that. And and I totally get that. And But the the whole thing that I try to tell people is that, we just can't educate people when we freak them out first, man, when, when we mm-hmm. close them off, right. you know. So, you know, a, a lot of people, and, and we can go into the big old debate about all of that, and we'll do that on another podcast. But, yes. you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, once you freak them out with a, a bloody picture, man, they turn a blind eye, they close their ears, they close their heart, and they just don't see it, you know. So, uh, we always try to clean up the area around the animal. We clean up the animal, you know, yeah. and, and it's kind of like this, you know, wouldn't you, if you were killed in an accident, yeah, want man. people to clean you up before they presented you to other people, yeah. you know? Like, I mean, you it's, know, hopefully the funeral home <laughs> will keep your tongue from hanging out and stuff like that when, they, when yeah. you're on display, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I'm, so I'm with you, Joe. I mean, guys, you know, yeah. get your mouths closed and wiped off with all the blood off of them. Right. I'll bring a rag in my bag just to make sure in a little bottle of water that I can make sure that I – I honor that animal. I, sure. I, you know, there are a lot of guys that doesn't bother. And for those guys, you can take all the bloody pictures you want to. But for the people, I've got a real good friend of mine who enjoys seeing our harvests on on social media. But she doesn't enjoy seeing all the gore and the blood and stuff like that. And she's very, she's been very, uh, very vocal about saying how much she admires our poses and our right. and the way we honor the animal. Right. And, right them clean you know yeah not because being all gory we know we've harvested that we've killed that's right we've taken that animal's life that's right. and you know uh, i think it's real important for us as, as hunters and lots of way lots of ways to make sure that people don't think we're a bunch of slobs out there you know and 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 that's just one of them just by honoring and like you said showing honor to that and you know another thing is 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 not to not to throw your animal parts your bones and and stuff like that and your hides and stuff you don't put those out in public view man you you don't put them out in plain sight uh that's why i tell a lot of people if if you're going to uh if you're going to clean an animal and and you're going to gut it out in the woods and you're going to debone a carcass in the woods is the most pretty, pretty natural and pretty natural you know, yeah. and if if that's not the case, and you do it, take it to some place. You know, bag it up properly, put it in bins, just like uh, everything else, or put it in areas like if you want it to go back to bears and coyotes and other animals, put it in locations that's not in plain sight. You know, yeah. uh, it just doesn't look good for us. Mm-hmm. So, I tell you, one of the best, one of the things I saw this uh, this fall, I had 
one of the Louisiana Mafia's uh, boys, uh, Luis Gonzalez, come with me, and we brought his daughter and introduced her to to hunting. And mm-hmm. she uh, she actually took her first white tail with a crossbow. And I watched that. I saw young, that. I, I saw that, that picture. Yeah, I watched that young lady pray over that white tail. Right. Uh, it was moving. I'm talking. Uh, it was emotional. And uh, I, you know, from for me, I always say a prayer over there. I, I, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. They right. come from all walks of religion and life. But yeah, I, I give thanks to God for giving me such a such a beautiful creature that He made, and and for giving us the opportunity where we live on on the face of the earth to uh, to do what we do. So that child recited a prayer that I'm telling you, it choked the stars out out of heaven. You know, you know, it was, uh, it was beautiful. I, I did a podcast with uh, Lance Bernal up at Vermejo Park. I was going to talk uh, about that, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I do the same thing. And that's why I thought it was interesting to talk to Lance. And uh, Lance ha- is of Native American heritage, and, and uh, it's it real important to him uh, and his family to to honor and send off that animal properly just like it is to us and but he said something that that struck home to me that i thought was really cool was he said that it actually slows down the moment i agree yep and i i think there's makes you take it in yeah it makes you take it in and uh it, it makes you um honor that animal like he said you know wouldn't you want somebody to say something nice about you and give you a send off? And, and these animals that we hunt, these animal, the animals that we seek out to kill are some of the most majestic and noble creatures there are. And, and it is truly humbling to be with them on, on their uh, last breath and, and, and uh, with them after, after they've died. So uh, they are giving to us, um, and uh, and we shouldn't forget that. So, I mean, that's just how I feel about it, and different people feel different ways. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like how you talk about all of this for you is not necessarily just about the kill. It's just it's that whole experience. It's right. about the appreciation of nature and, right. like I said, the majestic animals. Mm-hmm. So I'm, just about everywhere I go in any ranch, I'm, I'm there if they let me sign something. I'll always put it's never about the harvest. It's all about the hunt. And I, for me, that's never been more true. Right. I do love eating elk meat, deer meat, everything that we harvest, I, we we eat here. You know, <laughs> my family's raised up on deer meat and all, all the fine. You know, Ten years ago, we started eating elk meat. And now they don't ever want me to come back without one. So, that's I mean, right. it's a, it, it sustains our families, you know. So sure. we owe it back to that animal to pay homage to the animal and and of God and and uh, that, that's how I see that for sure, Joe. So I think we're uh, I think we're right about at our at our time this time, and uh, yeah. uh, I want to tell everybody next week. Next week, the plan is is to wrap all this up and discuss final thoughts on our confidence series again. I we hope you enjoy that, and uh, we want to answer our listeners' questions. That's we're going to answer your questions. So if you're hearing my voice, I want you to. I want you to send something in to us. And uh, don't forget to send your questions. You can send them to info at elkbros.com. And, and, you know, all of us, we've been watching all of y'all out there, man. We've been watching the cities growing. Uh, I, I want to thank um, 
muchas gracias to those people in Spain <laughs> that yeah, have been no doubt. <laughs> listening to us. And uh, I don't speak French for you Canadians up there. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we've had bonjour. A lot of, yeah, <laughs> bonjour. <laughs> and uh, that have been listening. I mean, we have we've had them from uh, man from. Sweden and Denmark and uh, all kinds of places in Europe and all over the United States, man, we're, we're over 400 cities here in the United States. So uh, it's so exciting. It's so humbling. And guys, uh, again, this is for you. That's why we're doing it. We are coaches. And so we're asking our team out there, what do you need from us? Uh, you can even send in to us things that you'd like us to talk about on our next podcast or in future podcasts. In fact, you know, if, if you go into elkbros.com and you join our camp and uh, you send us a theme of something that you would like to hear us talk about, I am going to make sure that we shout out to you and let people <clears throat> know that, you know, this was your question, and we're going to be talking not only to everybody else out there, but we want you to know that we're talking directly to you. So, Yeah, we appreciate all of our grinders out there, all of the uh, blue-collar elk guys. Again, like Joe said and Chaz said, if you have any questions, we definitely want to air them on the show, and that's at info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Joe, Chab, what an awesome show this week. Yeah, We're looking forward to next week's show for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Joe and Chab in Cimarron, New Mexico, I'm Gilbert Ornelas. God bless all of you out there and all of our elk brothers. Kiss your wives and wives. Kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad heads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, peace, y'all. Peace. Miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.